is an Odyssey original. This is Coronavirus Daily, World on Pause. I'm Charles Feldman from the KNX Odyssey Studios in Los Angeles. And I'm Mike Simpson. Kids 12 to 15 could start getting vaccinated within a week here in the U.S. Some states actually already giving the vaccines. The FDA gave the emergency approval for the Pfizer vaccine. But it's not like the kids can go to a doctor on their own. The parents need to okay it. But will they? We'll talk about a different kind of vaccine hesitancy pandemic has made it both harder and more expensive to get an Uber or Lyft ride. And the pandemic has led to people scrubbing and cleaning anything and everything except themselves, apparently. So we'll talk about that. Let's start with kids, the vaccine and their parents. Dr. Allison Messina is a chair of the Division of Infectious Disease at Johns Hopkins All Children's Hospital. Doctor, why would the COVID vaccine potentially present more of a problem for parents compared to all the other vaccines that kids get? Well, considering that it has been studied um, just as rigorously as other vaccines, it really shouldn't present a problem. But I think that most of the hesitation that a lot of parents are experiencing is just because the vaccine is so new. What are you hearing from parents who are on the edge? And then we've talked about it before. It's the same kind of things, you know, with adults, I guess, when it comes to children. There, there are some that are just very, this is not going to happen. I'm not doing it. But then some people are just literally in the camp of, you know what, I'm just going to wait a little while. I'm not sure why even I'm waiting, but I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to see. What do you say to, to, to that? Yeah, I think that a lot of parents probably would be more comfortable um, waiting. But I guess I would say to that, and the question I've posed to some of those parents is exactly what are we waiting for? Um, so the, the children ha- actually have the advantage in a way of um, the fact that they're going after the adults have already been vaccinated. So we've had, we now have in the hundreds of millions of adults vaccinated uh, in this country um, with the Pfizer vaccine, the one that was just authorized for children. And we have the benefit of um, months of data and monitoring of those adults who've received this vaccine. So we know that it's effective and the safety signals, there's really no um, safety signals that we're seeing or no serious safety signals that we're seeing with the uh, Pfizer vaccine for adults. So I think that should be reassuring um, for parents who um, you, you know, are considering vaccinating their older children. Is it is it fair to say, or is it an overstatement that perhaps the parents who are hesitant about vaccinating their children tend to be parents who are hesitant about vaccinating themselves? Yeah, that's probably true. Um, You know, it would stand to reason that if you're more uh, fearful or more hesitant to vaccinate yourself, you certainly would carry that uh, to your children as well. I think, though, that some parents feel, though, that there's another piece to this, and that's that overall, and it is true, uh, COVID-19 disease is a less severe disease um, in children, if you you know look across the population, um, so sometimes I think they do that calculus of well, I'm older, therefore I'm at higher risk. So you know maybe the vaccine is um, you know more desirable in an older population, and in some ways you know everybody has to do that risk versus benefit kind of calculus for themselves. But I would say that you know we have seen this disease um, you know affect children severely. Um, And if the vaccine is um, out there and available for them to prevent your children from getting severe disease, um, I still think it's it's worthy of consideration. You know, I I couldn't help but noticing when you said before, uh, when parents say they're waiting 
to see what happens. What are they waiting for? And I had that same thought because I was reading a bunch of quotes the other day in some of the papers of parents who are reluctant to have their kids vaccinated. And they're quoted as saying that, well, we want to wait. We want to see what happens. And I have to admit, doctor, I did think the same thing. What do they expect is going to happen? They're going to get out of their homes and kids are going to be dropping like flies. I mean, what do they expect? Yeah, I, I'm not. I, I think that that's a, a, a question that when I pose this to parents who give me that answer, can't really quite answer it either. I think it's just sort of a sense of reassurance. And I think that, you know, as more children get vaccinated and as more um you know, children in their community, friends of their children get vaccinated and do well, I think that uh, that hesitancy is going to wane a little bit. Dr. Allison Messina, chair of the Division of Infectious Disease, Johns Hopkins All Children's Hospital. People have been having trouble getting Uber and Lyft rides lately, and when they do the rides, well, they're more expensive. There aren't enough drivers right now, pandemic to blame, so when will the drivers come back if they do? Harry Campbell, author of the Rideshare Guy blog, author of the book The Rideshare Guide. So, Harry, uh, where'd all the drivers go? Thanks for having me on. You know, I've, I've been, I started driving for Uber and Lyft seven years ago, and uh, this is probably the first time in my memory where just demand has really outpaced the supply of drivers. And so even though, you know, I think uh, you and I and lots of other folks are having a lot of trouble getting rides, there are rides happening. It's just what we're used to, the reliability, the on-time nature of calling an Uber and a Lyft. It's just not there like it used to be. And there are a number of reasons for that, but it's, uh, you know, it's a different experience these days. Well, and, and obviously this 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 thing that we just mentioned at the top that Uber and Lyft are going to uh, be providing free rides to vaccination sites, uh, you know, they're not getting paid by the uh, person taking the car or by the government for that matter. But it, yeah. obviously it's designed to get people back into the habit of using Uber and Lyft. But what will the companies other than this, if anything, be doing to entice more drivers back on the road and more customers back into the cars? Yeah. So the vaccine announcement that they made, it's actually part of an earlier pledge they did to basically support a bunch of different efforts around COVID. So I think the money is kind of coming from that. And actually what we've seen is on the demand side, riders have actually not needed a lot of convincing to get right back on the Uber app. Um, you know, it's pretty easy, in fact, to still call a ride. Whereas on the driver's side, they may have had documents that expire. They may need to get another vehicle inspection. So Uber announced a big stimulus fund, uh, $250 million, I believe, for drivers drivers and bonuses and uh, incentives and things like that. But at the same time, I mean, I went out uh, just a couple weekends ago and drove for Uber here in LA. They had offered me $100 to do three trips. And drivers right now in the LA area, for example, are making $30 to $40 an hour pretty easily driving for Uber. So there's definitely a lot of money on the table, but it seems like drivers just have, you know, either other sources of income right now, whether it's unemployment or PPP loans, or, you know, maybe they've moved on to other areas um, of the, even the gig economy, food delivery, for example, or maybe they just don't want to work. So um, I think Uber is really struggling getting those drivers back on the road because of those reasons. How much do you think the food delivery played into this? Because that's kind of been one of the through lines all the way. It's like, okay, I didn't have any people to take. So now I'm going to do, you know, Uber Eats or I'm going to do DoorDash or whatever. And maybe then they stuck with that and they didn't think, okay, now it's time to, to switch back over. 
Yeah, no, I think it's been the the two big reasons I would say are number one, because of the unemployment and all of the stimulus money that's been available, right? If you go out and work for Uber, you know, that actually reduces your unemployment. So I think that's a choice that a lot of folks have made. And then the other big thing is that a lot of people, a lot of Uber and Lyft drivers did shift over to delivery, not only because there was more demand over the past year, but also because it was a lot safer. You know, um, there's really no customer interaction, you know, in, in these times of COVID. And as more and more folks and drivers are getting vaccinated, I think we might see that switch. We're actually about to run a survey on our site, just asking how many drivers have been vaccinated. So we'll get back to you on the results for that. But I do think, you know, there's more competition. DoorDash is a $50 billion company right now, whereas before the pandemic, you know, they really weren't on the same uh, level, uh, you know, competing for drivers that uh, DoorDash and other companies or that Uber and other companies were. Uh, You mentioned that you uh, drive around LA. Uh, I'm wondering what the situation is like at the airports. Uh, More and more people now going back to flying, uh, is it easy uh, to get Uber, Lyfts at LAX, Burbank, Long Beach, wherever? Yeah. So definitely at LAX, it's a pretty big hassle right now to get an Uber and Lyft because of that supply and demand issue. And then just, you know, a little inside baseball on the driver's side, right? If you're going to the airport, you typically kind of want to go for a longer ride. So if you're someone coming back from the airport and have just a short trip, it may be tough for you to get a ride. And I actually experienced this myself. I was in Jackson Hole, Wyoming on vacation last week, flew into LAX on Saturday, and I was trying to call an Uber Black for $60 from LAX to Mid-City um, in my house. Couldn't get a ride. I was calling for UberX and finally got a match um, for about $50, $60. Just to put that in perspective, it was basically the same price as an Uber Black. um, And that's the only ride I could get on UberX. But there there are other options out there. You know, one thing I would say is, you know, think back to those times before Uber and Lyft when you would actually ask a friend, a family member, maybe a spouse or a relative for a ride to and from the airport. I think that may be a good option for now or even other services. There's a service called Wings that does pre scheduled airport rides. It's W I N G. And then there's also a new ride hail company here in Los Angeles that launched a few months ago called Alto. That's A-L-T-O. And they use employee drivers and allow for pre-scheduling. And it's sort of a little bit more of an elevated experience. So you got to get creative right now is my best advice. Harry Campbell runs the Rideshare Guy blog and podcast as the book, The Rideshare Guide. That used to be the true test of friendship in L.A., right? Like, yeah. I'll take you to Burbank, but I'm not going to pick you up at LAX. Yeah, but I don't want I, – he, he was talking about getting – I don't want to get creative. I, I just want to get go on the app. I want to be as lazy as possible. Right. I want to press the – you know, click the button that says car. And have somebody show up in three minutes. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to get creative. Coming up after this short break, if you've stayed home most of this pandemic, that funny smell could be coming from (laughs) you. Many people spent the pandemic working and staying at home the entire time, hardly leaving to go anywhere. And since they weren't going anywhere or seeing anyone, there was no need to shower every day. It doesn't sound super pleasant, but uh, is it actually bad for you? Dr. James Hamblin, public health and preventative medicine physician at Yale's School of Public Health. He's the author of Clean, the New Science of Skin and the Beauty of Doing Less. So, doctor, we got different camps, right? A lot of people shower every day and those who don't want to or just uh, don't. So who's right? (laughs) Uh, please don't make me choose sides. No, 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 no. <laughs> You're stuck. Choose Which is the best? <laughs> you know, um, I I took years talking to people about their uh, showering and bathing habits in the course of writing this book. And what you find out is that there, there are just so many ways 
to be correct. Uh, there's that. There's a lot more room for flexibility. Oh, than you're, you're copping out in this one, aren't you? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you know, I think it's it's just a very personal decision, and I think that a lot of people have the idea that there is one, you know, correct and proper and necessary way to do things because of marketing, but uh, but in fact, there there's a lot more variation out there once people start talking about and, and sharing their habits, which are actually, you know, it's kind of taboo. It's a little like <laughs> we're judgmental. We call things gross or disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But, so mom but, uh, told us to shower yeah. every day. So let's, let's, we'll say that's one side. And then there's like you doing research. Am I gross or dirty or like, how's my skin <laughs> if I skip a day? Like is something you know, happening to it? Yeah. I, uh, it, it, no, if you skip a day, no. Uh, certainly, I think when people quit cold turkey, they notice, and everyone around them notices. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but a lot of people kind of uh, gradually start to do less. So you know, maybe move from every day to every other day, and then and maybe even less frequently than that, or just you know shorter shorter showers, or or you know give up the move the shampoo to only once a week, or body wash like you know rarely. There, there are lots of ways to cut back without you know. Well, doing anything radical. I, I mean, am I, am I right in the course of human history, this notion of taking a shower and or a bath, actually, I suppose, before showers uh, on a daily basis, it was really not the norm at all, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, before we had indoor plumbing, before we could mass produce soap at a, at a you know, price that was affordable for most people. Uh, certainly, it, it was a real luxury, and so the idea that it's necessary in order to be healthy is kind of at odds with the idea that it, we've only really been doing it for the last hundred years uh, at, at most, and you know we didn't die of uh, terrible skin problems or and, and we didn't offend other people with our smells. Um, you know, I think our standards have just kind of well, but it, but isn't but isn't that why perfumes and colognes originally came about? I mean, it wasn't because of all these romantic notions <laughs> that are peddled, you know, peddled now to get uh, sales up. Wasn't it? Yeah, to people were thinking. Yeah, wasn't it to disguise the fact that people <laughs> didn't smell very nice? Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, throughout history, there is certainly record of. Uh, being uh, someone at the bar who was the smelly person who everyone knew this is the, you know, <laughs> this person is offensive with their smell. But I, yeah. I think our standards now are such that if you can detect any scent of anyone at all, it's considered, you know, it's, you, we judge those people. Like you're supposed to smell like mountain breeze and lilacs or something, <laughs> uh, you know? So, I mean, not, not every human smell is offensive body odor. And I think, uh, you know, there's room to be a little bit more considerate there. I guess, you know, not everyone's doing manual labor anymore either. Like, how much are you really going to smell if you go to the office for the day? Unless you have, like, a really scary meeting and then you're sweating buckets because that's, <laughs> that's going to be a whole different thing. Yeah. And, I mean, it's up to us to be judgmental. I mean, if you smell and someone smells like sweat, you know, I think we're kind of told, like, oh, that's gross. That's disgusting. But is it? Is it, how much is it really offensive? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> that's why you put on the fresh linen deodorant or whatever it is you know springtime breeze <laughs> yeah i mean some people are very bothered by those odors if you know someone smells like something really artificial it's actually <laughs> like the lysol smell well yeah. yeah you know when someone's put on too much uh deodorant or cologne or something and it's just distracting how they're filling the room with their 
or it's the elevator. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. But but, but it, it is true, is it not, that, I mean, women have known for a long time that uh, if you wash hair every day, that can actually be bad for your hair, right? Because doesn't it strip all the uh, natural oil uh, off of it? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, soaps and detergents are wonderful products, but they're like hammers. It, you know, uh, sometimes they're great and you probably need to have one, but doesn't mean, you know, it's going to be a useful tool for everything and that you need the more hammers you have, the better. Uh, you certainly can overuse these things and the the industry that sells them really wants us to think, oh, you need to, you know, really elaborate, just use a ton of our product every single day. And there's not a lot of people who <laughs> will push back on that and be like, why would we need to do that? Yeah, what, what does the soap do to the, <laughs> the skin every day? Is that good? Or should I just like soap one day and then rinse the next and then back to soap the next day? This is back to the, you have um, to give right. us advice of exactly yeah. how to bathe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, uh, different people have different levels of sort of uh, oiliness, different uh, skin conditions. It's really hard to, to advise people broadly. I, I think if you, if it makes you feel good to use it and, and you like it, and you're not experiencing, you know, really dry skin, uh, then go ahead and, and use away. But if you feel like you could do without it, you could save some time and money in plastic bottles and, you know, maybe Water. even your skin yeah. could improve. Well, you're, you're, you're right <laughs> yeah. about, yeah, I mean, in you're right. Droughts, about, yeah. yeah, you're right about the marketing. I mean, you know, the, uh, I was thinking the, my uh, soap bottle at home, I think it says up to 250 pumps. And I thought that meant every day. But that's too much, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, these things can definitely be overdone. Um, <laughs> and so, I, 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 but I, I think a lot of people who I spoke to in the course of the book, you know, kind of battled chronic eczema or, or acne or skin condition, you know, dry skin, that sort of thing. And they tried all these different products and they tried adding more products and doing more and more. <laughs> and that's the inclination, right? But yeah. actually, some people benefit from being like, wait a minute, what if I actually try to do less? Dr. James Hamlin there, public health uh, preventative medicine physician at uh, Yale. He's got that book, Clean, The New Science of Skin, The Beauty of Doing Less. 250 pumps, that's like bubbles going out into the hallway, down the road. I I think it's time for a group shower here. (laughs) No. (laughs) Get all clean. One at a time. Squeaky clean. Doctors are getting more confident now that the vaccines here in the U.S. are holding up against the many variants out there. Studies have offered reassurance that existing vaccines work well against the infamous UK variant and the California variant. And new data from Israel and Qatar shows Pfizer and Moderna vaccines work against the South African variant, which worried doctors and scientists because the AstraZeneca vaccine didn't fare well against it before. This is an Odyssey original. Find us on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Don't forget to shower.